This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. I'll just say this about the Yankees, and I promise you, I promise you, I'm not going to talk a lot about the Yankees or the Mets. Luis Severino's on the mound tonight against an Atlanta team that is very unforgiving to pitchers who make mistakes. As you saw from Clark Smith last night, they just nickeled and dimed him to death. Line drive here, double there, single here. Uh, It could be the same. Luis Severino has an ERA of 14.79 in the first inning. 14.79 in the first inning. And Atlanta has scored the most runs in baseball. Let's talk some Jets. (laughs) How about that? Let's talk some Jets. 1-800-919-3776. We'll also touch on the Giants as well. Obviously, last night we broke it. It happened while we were on the air, filling in for Dan Grasa. It was the announcement that Darvin Cook is a Jet. So, when Robert Sala met the media today, of course, of course, the first question was, so um, when are we going to see this guy in practice? It's, I know it's going to be at least a week. Uh, so I know he's, he's having the baby, which we're all excited for him on. And, uh, but uh, it's just a matter of uh, getting on the phone with him today and, and uh, getting him in here and just having, having those conversations to see where he's at. Also, simultaneously with the move, was Brees Hall released from Pup. So, Robert Sala, what does Brees Hall's ramp-up look like and will Cook affect his playing time? So we're going to take our time with him, like I've said from the beginning. Um, uh, he, If you ask him, he's ready to go now. Uh, and he's chomping at the bit, wants to get in there with his teammates. But uh, to have him back out there in pads, and man, he looks freaking good. Just his, his size, the you know, kind of like Jermaine Johnson, and just the way they've kind of morphed their bodies and uh, he looks explosive. He looks powerful. And uh, so we'll, we'll get him in. We'll ease him in. But, uh, but right now, it's just acclimation. All right. So let's talk to Bruce Hall. And he was asked, are you worried your role will be reduced now that Dalvin, Dalvin Cook is on the team? Nah, like I said, it's another great guy we add into the room. And like I said, it's going to be it's gonna be a good competition. It's going to bring the best out of everybody. So, you know, when he comes in, you know, all of our reps might get lessened and we're going to have to work him in. So it's going to make us, you know, do the most w- of what we can with our reps. So it's going to be fun. He's going to come in. He's going to challenge us. We're going to challenge ourselves and we're going to challenge him as well. So it's going to be fun. Will you be ready week one? Yeah, I think I'll be ready for it. But, you know, at the end of the day, the coaches and myself, we're going to do the best thing in my interest. So I'm not going to put any you know, certain timeline on this. Just uh, leave it up to God. And if my knee's feeling good that day, then I'll play. And that's the most important part about signing Dalvin Cook is the fact that you don't have to rush Brees Hall back. And the other thing, which I thought Dan Olofsky made a great point on the Michael K show earlier today, was just simply Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook's abilities and you last year you saw that as he got near the end of the season he wasn't as effective so now you can bring both of them along they can complement each other you can have them on the field at the same time you can rotate snaps with them the fact that you have a balance balance with both very talented running backs helps you okay so that that's the most important thing that you don't have to rush Brees Hall and put pressure on him and you don't have to wear down Dalvin Cook Plus, you've got some other running backs who you can use also. So I think in in retrospect, this was a good move for the Jets. 
of course, it's obvious. If you can't get the offensive line rolling, it doesn't matter what talented running backs you have back there. If there's no holes, there's no advantage on the ground. Okay? So the offensive line still has to get going. I know we talk a lot about it. I know we harp on it a tremendous amount because it's a major thing. I mean, let's face it. It's it's a it's a weakness on this team that has been a weakness for a while. And until you see that they have handled it better than what has been happened before, then of course you you know, then it won't be an issue. But clearly going forward, okay? Going forward, it's in the back of your mind. And then, you know, you, you've got uh, already during the preseason, you notice that Aaron Rodgers and this interesting calf, you know, you missed some practices with the calf. I mean, look, if he, if he goes down for any length of time, you know, you're done. You're done. So the offensive line will help protect Aaron Rodgers. The offensive line will help them be balanced in the sense of they, you, they won't be one-dimensional. You will have to account for the running back, which means the safety has to get out of the box. So that's what you want to do. And that's what the Jets have, have done right now. So this is – it's a good move for them. But ultimately, it's really about how they handle the start of this season. Okay? Ultimately, it's about Robert Sala and his coaches having this team ready to go. On September on 9-11 against the Buffalo Bills in your building. That is almost, almost a must win. For you to have this excitement and Aaron Rodgers and all the moves you've made and a defense that is arguably a very good defense, should be better than last year, a very good defense, you have to go out and have a strong showing. Now, if you tell me that maybe you lose late field goal, something of that nature, eh, okay, maybe. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's the first week. But then if it's a close game, then something happened with the offense, right? If you're telling me you lost the game by a, quick, by a field goal, then what happened offensively? Did you, did you not – did the offensive line mess up? Were you not in sync offensively? Or was it a situation where the defense didn't get off the field and they didn't make a big stop late, and now you lose that game? So, yes, it will determine how you lost. That will be a part of it, if indeed you do. But that first game, look, LeGreca's right. That first game's important. Just like Jordan Runon said that the first game against Dallas for the Giants is important, it's the same thing for the Jets at Buffalo, for, against Buffalo. There's so many important things that this team has got to get going and it starts with the win. Their schedule, as we've talked about, is not the easiest schedule in the National Football League. Okay? They've got work to do. And getting off to a good start is essential. People told me, you know, they're three and three. Would you sign up for three and three? I heard uh, Damer and Grasso this morning. Would you, would you sign up for, for three and three in the first six? Yeah, of course you would. But you prefer four and two, right? If you are a team that is talking about being a playoff team and one that's going to make noise, of course, three and three 
is the worst you want. And they're not, and of course, they're striving for better. But, you know, let's try to do better. It has that is the worst you can be. It's the worst. Because you've got conference games in there. You've got division games in there. So for me, throw, throw the other conference games up. If you got NFC teams, if you lose that game, it doesn't matter to me. It's division and it's conference. Division first, conference second. Those are the one those are the priorities because they determine playoff position. Division and conference. That's where the importance lies. We'll get your thoughts next. It's Hardesty for Grasso on 987 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Tommy's in Long Island. Tommy, start us off on the Dan Grasso Show. How you doing, Larry? I'm doing great, Tommy. What's up? All right. I have a problem, but not really a problem. It's a good problem. Okay. Now, we, we hired Delvin Cook, right? Mm-hmm. He's a great player to have. Mm-hmm. But we also have Bryce Hall, Michael Carter, Knight, and the rookie. Now... We paid $8 million for Devin Cook. Do you think we really needed him? Or, or, or what do you think? I think you needed him, Tommy, and thanks for the phone call because of what I mentioned earlier. The fact that you don't have to rush Brees Hall back. I mean, it's very rare, and Willie Colon mentioned it last night. You just, for the injury that Brees Hall had, it, you don't really want to rush him back. The longer he goes where you're minimizing his production, what he has to do, the stronger he'll be. So as you get later in the season, he'll actually be better than he is at the beginning of the season. So the fact that you have running back sharing the load is a good thing. And you have depth in case you have injury there. So, no, it's a good thing. And you, you pay for the talent. And he is a very talented running back. He's versatile. He gets the ball out of the backfield. He can run. Plus, he's a he's a he's a decent blocker, and you know that that's important. When you know teams want to defenses want to blitz on second and long or third and long, if the Jets find the Jets offense find themselves in those situations, you can keep him in as an extra defender to block and then release him later in, in, into uh, you know into the pattern. So, it, it's a good move. It's a good move. Uh, Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Hey, good evening, Larry. And I tell you, you know, it's amazing. Um, You're talking about getting off to a hot start and, you know, the first six games. And I'm in the camp where, you know, I think the first eight games, you got four teams that made the divisional round. You got two teams that were in the Super Bowl. So three and three, and and they're playing, you know, good football. You want four and two, but I'd be good with three and three. But you you look at this team, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm-hmm. I'll go back at least 20 years. When was the last time we approached a season where opposing teams cannot put eight men or nine men in a box mm-hmm. and force you to throw the ball? And that's why I think this running attack, you know, with, with once holds up to speed and, and you have Cook and they have the rookie from Pittsburgh and, you know, whatever they do with Carter and Knight, mm-hmm. I, I think this running attack is going to be awesome. I, I really do. I agree with you, Ira, and and what it does also is it takes the pressure off Aaron Rodgers, right? And that's one thing you want to do. You want to sit back there because I know it's the zone blocking scheme that this offensive line does, and thanks for the call, Ira. But for me, 
it's all having spoken to offensive linemen forever. They really love running the football. And I, once again, when you hear this, I'm not trying to say that we're doing ground and pound. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about making it so that when you get to second and third down, if you're able to get five, four, five yards on your on first down when you run, I mean, second and third are so easy for you for Nathaniel Hackett to make the the calls on. It's so easy because defensively you're on your heels. They could run it or they could pass it. So that's why you like it. And the most important part of it is once you get in the red zone, if you have a really good run game, you don't when it, when the area gets constricted smaller because of the fact of the area that defenders have to defend because you're in the you know, they're only 20 yards now you can run the football you can do some things you can you can do some other ways to to uh, score and get into the end zone and most importantly when you've got the lead in the fourth quarter you can run the ball and eat out the clock so that's why you need in situations a really really good run game and Ari you mentioned the first six games all right so you start off 9-11 against Buffalo once again in ABC ESPN vehicle. September 17th is you're at Dallas, home for New England on the 24th, home for Kansas City on the 1st, at Denver on the 8th, and home for Philadelphia on the 15th. Then you have the bye week. They're coming out of the bye week. You you have a road game at MetLife Stadium against the Giants, and you are home against the... Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and that's a Monday night game, okay? So, of your first nine games, you've got three NFC opponents. For me, in my way of thinking, I don't care what you do against the NFC opponents. Yeah, it affects your ultimate record, of course. But the priority for me, Buffalo, New England, Kansas City, Denver, and the Chargers. That's the priority for me because that's where your playoff position lies. Once again, I'm not saying it's okay to lose against the NFC. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the priority is to win your divisional and conference games. Spike is in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Hey, good morning. I sound like Jose. Good, Good evening. Uh, one of the guys that I told you uh, was very complimentary of you, his son played with Willie Cologne and Hofstra. Oh, he okay. was on the Yeah, yeah, I don't want to say the name. It's not mm-hmm. right. But he, if he calls, he calls. And he's a Jets fan, obviously, because, uh, as you know, and covered them, the Jets practiced out there yes. for quite a while. Well, a lot easier yes. for you. <laughs> but anyway, so he said, look, the the Fav, Fav, Man, Larry, I'm getting old fast. It sucks. <laughs> um, uh, oh my, Rogers. Rogers, it's not Rogers' quick release. We could straighten him up. It's a different blocking pattern. He's talking in technique. I, don't, I know what he's talking about, but vaguely, mm-hmm. you know. Just the, the, the route runners need the time to complete the routes. Yes. It's not, not the release point of the quarterback. Because, uh, he said Rogers' greatest asset, in his opinion, I think he's a Jets fan, but this is lateral movement. He can, you know, move around. He can make some space. But the route runners have to complete the routes. 
So I'm anxious to watch it. But you know what? Buddha makes a great point, and I really rely on his expertise with football more than anybody's. He won game at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. You're making a good point with the, you know, that's the optimum condition to try. And if you're going to lose, lose to out of conference. But Mm -hmm. but the point is, haven't played a game yet. We don't know about the lines. I hope the Jets adhere to Gordon's uh, algorithm. I really do. I think (laughs) it will be fun. And I'm I'm done with baseball. I'm not even putting it on. I'm going to read a book. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. First of all, I looked up quickly to see what was on. I see Severino's pitching. Now, do I need to be exposed to that? (laughs) No, you don't, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. No, you don't. Not against Atlanta. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I have to watch it. I have to watch it. But I understand what you're saying. I really do. I really do. And, you know, we're just having a discussion. You're right. It's always one game at a time. Because you just never know. And what's so much fun is because it's early and it's the beginning of the season, everybody's trying to figure out what the chemistry is. Everybody's trying to get their tempo. Everybody's trying to figure out who, what's what, what's happening. Because of the fact that so many starters do not play in the preseason games anymore. Yes, they do in the joint practices. Absolutely, they do. And that's where you see your starters getting their most of their work now. The NFL and the preseason is really for the bottom of your roster. It's for who's going to make the practice squad, who's going to give us some depth, who's going to give us some depth on special teams. Uh, that's, what the, that's what the preseason games are for now. Because the starters, if you have a starting quarterback, he's not playing in the preseason games. And if he is, he's doing one series, maybe, you're starting receivers. You're starting corners. You're, a lot of your starters on both sides of the football, even some of your linemen, are not getting a lot of playing time because of the fear of injury and how it derails your season. So because of that, the, the pace, the tempo, how you start to build camaraderie and chemistry and all this stuff against opponents when – you can push the quarterback down or you can knock the quarterback down where the quarterback is not protected as much happens in the regular season. So that's why it's so interesting. And that's why early in the season, when you have your, your lines and your, you know, your fantasy football and stuff like that, it's hard to pick guys because you just don't know how they're going to perform early. You don't know. You don't have a clue. It's very tough. It's really tough early. It's, it's really when you start to get to November around Thanksgiving, rolling into December, that rolls into the postseason. That's when teams really start to find themselves. So you'll find a team, and I'm speaking in generalities. You'll find a team that, and you know, you hear it all the time, the coaches, well, they used to break the season up into fours. They can't do that now because you play 17 games. But for the most part, they broke the season up into 16-game schedule into fours. Each four was a a section, right? So you try to take three three or four or all four in each section, and if you did that, you ended up with 12 wins, okay? If you did all fours, and then if you did not, you ended up with nine. Or maybe you went four in one section and three in the other and whatever. So it's that last section that you really want to get going. So you can end up being in the first first part of the season, the first half, 
you can end up being eight and eight, not I mean a four and four, but then go on a roll, and you could win what six of the next eight, and now you you won ten games. That's why the start of the season, in the Jets' case, and in the Giants' case, because of the opponents, are very important. That's why you would love to start out with a win in week one in both those instances because they are divisional games. And who wants to start off with a loss? 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. So Richard in Manhattan's got cooking. What's, what you got, Richard? Hi, Larry. Were you able to watch the Spain game today? I did not watch the Spain game today, Richard. No, I didn't. Larry, our friend scored the only black girl on this whole field. Spain versus uh, uh, Sweden. Mm -hmm. Every girl in Sweden was blonde and blue eyes. Spain was more mixed. And this was the only black girl. She scored the first goal in a two-to-one game. Double teamed. You got to see the replay. Her name is Pali Arulo. She was a sprinter in Spain, world class sprinter. Then she put all her attention to soccer. She looks like she's about 5'10, 5'11, maybe even 6 feet. Looks like she can be a ballet dancer. Doesn't look like a typical soccer player. She had two women on her. Uh, Larry, the score was nothing, nothing in the first 81 minutes. She scored in the uh, 82nd minute. Then uh, uh, Sweden came back, tied the score, and then Spain scored with about two minutes left. So three goals in nine minutes after 81 minutes of no goals. But the goal that the girls scored, Palirula, she was double teamed near the box and was able to get the shot off, and it was a beauty, a beauty. I'm telling you. She's playing in the finals. I guess the finals are on Sunday morning. And tonight we have uh, uh, England versus Australia. So it's going to be Spain versus either England or Australia. Now, if it's Australia, the whole country's going crazy now. But can you imagine a Spain versus Australia matchup? It'll be wild. But this kid, you've got to watch her. She is, she's going to be a superstar. And you're going to say, Larry, you heard it from Richard first, because I'm telling you, I'm following her like crazy. She is fantastic to watch. She's a striker, but she's not built like typical strikers. Usually they're t- short and stubby and, you know, sort of muscular. She's more like a ballet-looking ballet uh, kind of girl. She was a sprinter in, sp- in Spain, so you got to watch it, uh, Larry. Larry, always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, Richard. Thanks for checking in. So what about that, Harvey? Harvey, you're our resident uh, World Cup guy here. This is impressive. And, and he gets Harvey Richard is, is enthralled with the Women's World Cup. He has been up all hours of the night, wee hours of the morning, watching soccer. He, he's he's into it. I he's can't, really into it. I can only respect it. Lord knows I probably wouldn't wake up that early to watch anything, <laughs> much less my favorite sport of soccer. But I like the dedication. Uh, by the way, it's tomorrow morning, Richard, the, the England-Australia game, not tonight. So tomorrow at 6 a.m. So I'm sure he'll be up for that one. I will likely be as well because it's a pretty okay. interesting matchup. And a preheated rivalry as, as well, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I just I'm just watching the goal right now. Did a nice job on there. Nice job. Yeah, very good. Interesting. Interesting. World Cup action. Why it's great. It is great. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 
Richard Mini was on with Barton Hahn today. And obviously the offensive line was the topic, but specifically Makai Becton. Here's what Samini had to say. Well, he's a left tackle. It, it's a legit. And the thing about the, what's changed from the last time we spoke is Makai went out and he played 27 snaps against Carolina. You know, he held up. So that was a big improvement for him from the previous week. And he played a lot in practice today. You know, he was in there when briefly uh, Max Mitchell went out for a few plays and, and Beckton came in. And that was actually his first first team reps all summer at left tackle. But wow. then Mitchell was back pr- pretty quickly and Makai was back on the bench. So yeah, I think Makai is going to back up Dwayne Brown this year. And that gives you good depth at left tackle. And if, if they need him, you know, they'll have an experienced left tackle to go in. You know, it's funny, but really, in theory, it should be the other way around. <laughs> it should be the veteran Dwayne Brown backing up a guy Becton. That's how it should be. But, you know, listen, here's the situation you've got with Makai Becton. And I don't have to tell Jeff fans, you guys know. The issue you have here is you, he's not dependable. He has not been available. He's been bitten by the injury bug. Now, you hope the fact that he gave you 27 snaps against Carolina, that's a positive. Because ultimately, all the Jets want to see him do is continue to play, to continue to be available. And he's going to get all the backup reps in practice every week. That's what he's going to get. And hopefully, he won't have to see any first-team reps. Hopefully. But you're bringing him along, and you're bringing him along. And the key thing is that what you're hoping is by him getting these reps, he's building, not only he's getting strength in his knees, but he's building up confidence that he can do the moves and just react instead of, as Willie Colon mentioned to us last night, instead of just thinking and predetermining, trying to figure out what to do. Well, I got to move this way because I don't want to hurt my knee. I have to do, let me move back gingerly. Let me move back at an angle. So you start to think more than you want to. And then you're not reacting. Okay? What you're doing is you're thinking. And you're trying to save yourself from being hurt. And that's not what you want. You want to be, you want to be a read and react person. And so that's the concern you have. And the only way that Makai Becton is going to get past that is consistent reps, practice team reps, wherever he gets them. Now, hopefully you won't need him for him to play with the first team because you're hoping that Dwayne Brown, when he comes off pup, will be available and he'll play the full season. That's what you're hoping. But in the event, you want to have Makai Becton ready. And speaking of that offensive line, Ritzamini, uh, how much concern is there? He was on with Barton Hahn with that as well. Yeah, I think there is some concern on the inside. I mean, uh, Robert Sala, you know, he's very diplomatic when he answers these questions. But you, know, you can tell, you know, he really wanted to have this line starting five solidified by this week going into the Tampa Bay game. And it's obviously not solidified. They they have a battle at center now. The rookie, Tippman, was getting snaps at center today with the starting group. So that's a, still an ongoing competition. So, yeah, I do think there is concern within the building. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of concern outside the building. Yes. And could they go get a guy? Yeah, there's no Dalvin Cook offensive tackle, you know, Dalvin Cook caliber players at offensive tackle out there in free agency. So it would have to be a trade situation. And if it's a trade situation, it's going to be somebody that's not great. I mean, come on, think of it this way. If you've got a very talented tackle or guard, are you trading him? No, you're keeping him. 
because they're a premium. Everybody's looking for consistency at the at the line, offensive and defensive line. Everybody's looking for it. Every team is looking for consistency from their starters and quality depth. Because you know there's a possibility that somebody's going to go down. So, no, Samini's right. You know, a, a Zach Martin is not walking through that door. Okay? That's why Dallas made sure with Jerry Jones they signed him. Because they know you, you can't let somebody like that walk out the door. This is a prime-time lineman. And hopefully, this will work out for the Jets. Hopefully. Hopefully, they'll make the decision in the preseason, which is what preseason's for. You put the five guys together, then it's about working every week, one game at a time, one play at a time, building chemistry, building camaraderie to the point that they know what happens. If, if something comes up, everybody knows, okay, I got to take if, – if, if somebody comes through the B-gap, okay, you got it, you got my – I'll take – I'll help with the double team, you have my back. Everybody knows that's how it has to go. That's the way it has to go for this offensive line or any offensive line to be effective. We'll continue the conversation talking some football giants along with the Jets on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. I try to be as transparent as I can with everybody. The goal is to be consistent, consistently improving. That's really the goal. So you're going to have, everybody is, myself, more than probably anybody, is going to have a bad play, a bad decision, a bad day. And you have to, um, you have to be focused Laser focused on what your craft is and how you do it to the highest level. That's Brian Dable on his New York football giants as they get ready for the season opener against the Dallas Cowboys. Hardy Steve Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. And this Giants team is very interesting. And you heard during the commercial break the brief excerpts of the discussion with Dave and Rick about Daniel Jones. And while all the t- while the Jets are taking up all the publicity in town, it's really what is going – It's the Giants are just kind of cruising under the radar. Part of it is because of the fact of the Jets. The other part of it is because Saquon Barkley took one for the team and came in. So we're not discussing what's going on with him, when is he coming, and all the distractions that you would be made trying to figure out what's going on with Saquon Barkley. Well, you don't have that because he's there. But now very quietly, as we look to – What's happening with this Giants team and all the weapons they have, now that they have weapons, now that Saquon's in for the, for the season, the pressure's on Daniel Jones, isn't it? I mean, we expect him to build on what he had last season. We expect him to say, hey, look what he was able to do with really rookies and unproven players at the receivers. Not not really consistent tight end, not really consistent wide receiver play. It was him and Saquon Barkley, RPO. That's what it was with him. So now that he has weapons, and now that he has talented receivers, and now that the Giants will be expected or thought to get the ball down the field, there's more pressure on Daniel Jones. He's got to prove that, you know what? I am getting better. 
Now, his track record has gotten better. He's cut down on his turnovers. But really, when you look, their red zone efficiency from a passing standpoint wasn't great. RPO standpoint, great. We know he loves to use his legs. We know that he's competent in that sense. And once again, the key thing, the turnovers are down. But with added weapons and a new contract comes some pressure. Now, look, we expect that Brian Dayball is going to have the perfect offense for him and put him in positions where he could be successful because that's what he did for him last season. And if that's what he did last season, he's going to certainly try to continue to do the same thing and put him in positions where, you know, short passes to get him going and then stretch the field a little bit on some plays, picking your spots, and the run game sprinkled in with Barkley. That makes sense. That's what you should do. But the question becomes, when you play the teams, the Dallases, the Philadelphias, the teams on your tough schedule, will you be able to have that same success of getting the ball down the field? against tougher defenses. And that's going to be the question on the success for this Giants team this year. Yes, we know defensively they'll be okay. I mean, you know, I have a lot of, as I've always said, a lot of respect for Martindale and what he does and how he prepares his defense. The fact that he was uh, jumping on uh, Thibodeau about you know, I need to see more from you in practice. I need for you to get back. I need to see some more things. That's what you want. That's what you see from this Giants team, coaching-wise. They verbally hold their guys accountable. And I'm not saying that other teams don't. But it's evident that they do. It really is. Now, we talked about the Jets schedule early. Let's look at the Giants schedule as we start off. So you've got, as we mentioned, they got Dallas on Sunday night. The 10th. At Arizona, psh, that's a win. At Frisco, going to be tough. Home for Seattle, at Miami, at Buffalo, home for Washington, home for the Jets, and then we're in November. Now, their bye week is not till week 13. So they'll have at Vegas, at Dallas again, at Washington, home for New England before their bye week. Their bye week is uh, after the, the New England game on the 26th of November. So they have one, two, three, four, five home games of the first 12. So they're on the road a lot. And then after the bye week, they've got five games left. Three of the five are at home. So it will balance out. So once again, really the back end of their schedule is better. After the bye week, home for Green Bay, at New Orleans, at Philly, home for the Rams, home for the Eagles. So they have, they, they've got a, you know, that first four, well, really the first, yeah, the first four are interesting. I mean, they could, they, they can, they can have beat Seattle at home. They could beat Dallas. Have they beaten Dallas? No, they haven't. But doesn't mean they can't. Arizona's a win. At Frisco's going to be tough. At Miami, eh, 
at Buffalo, tough. Tough games. Games in which you're going to need your quarterback to make some plays. And if we are to believe, and we everybody knows it, everybody has said it about what Waller brings to the table for them. Even though he's the tight end, he's their number one receiver. So you understand that he's going to be doubled and you're going to have to find other people to make plays. Now, I would think he would be simply tremendous in the red zone. Size and speed and strength, route running ability. He would be a matchup nightmare for you in the red zone. And plus you've got Saquon Barkley who can maneuver and gather down there with, with speed and running and catching the ball out of the backfield. So while a lot of people are not thinking that the Giants could make the postseason, I believe the Giants will be in the playoffs this year. I think Dable managing the offense for Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones taking that next step and their defense, barring injury, okay, barring injury. But I believe with those factors, they're going to be a playoff team. Because Philly's Philly, I get it. You know, they they went to the Super Bowl last year. Jalen Hurts is, I can't wait to see what he did this year. He took such a leap from 2021 to 2022. I can't wait to see what he's got from 2022 to this season. And Dallas is Dallas. Dallas is going to be a team that, that that's going to drive you nuts. Okay, they drive their fan base nuts. They play well during the season. But there's key games that you would expect that they would do well. They don't do well, and they end up falling short of the playoffs. Okay, they end up falling short of the playoffs. So I can see the Giants getting in. That's why beating Dallas at home is important. Jordan Ronan told our Ty Butler the same thing last week when he was on his show. That's a game. That's an important game. It's a statement game. It's a game that says, hey, yeah, that's the past is the past. We're here right now. And Defensively, to pressure a quarterback who has the tendency to turn the football over, it's a no-brainer for me. Jackson, Manhattan. Hey, Jack, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how are you? I'm doing great, Jack. What's up? Um, not much. I, I think you said something that's really, really smart, um, that you know w- we're going to have to rely on Daniel to – make some plays in those first five games, not necessarily take the team on his back, but really kind of um, make some pivotal plays and, 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 you know, sort of change the dynamics a little bit. And I guess my question is, do, do you have faith that he can do? I'm just curious. Do you have faith that he can do that? Um, because I think you're right. Like these first, you know, third of the season games are going to be pivotal about how they come out. And I also, I'm a believer that things aren't as like, bifurcated as people make it out to be. They're going to be good or they're going to be bad. Like things Hmm. go kind of in the middle a lot of the time. So do you think that he's going to be able to do that? Jack, thanks for the phone call. I think that Dable will put him in situations where he will be successful, if that answers your question. 
I have faith that Dable knows how to put him in the position that he can do. He'll be able to make the big play he needs to make. Not necessarily to do it all by himself. You're right. But being able to do the run PO when he needs to. Being able to keep the chains moving. Being able to hit Waller. Being able to hit Shepard. Being able to hit Cole Beasley. Being able to hit any of the receivers. And they got some young rookie speedy receivers on the team as well. And use the use of Saquon Barkley sprinkled in. So I do think that he will be put in a position and given the opportunity to make the plays. Now, ultimately, as you well know, the question is going to be that turnover thing in the back of your mind. Will he have the time to be able to focus and read the defenses correctly to make the right play? Well, ultimately, that's why they play the game, as Chris Berman always said. But I'm confident that at least he will be put in a position that he'll be able to make it happen. And he will be successful more times than not because of how I saw Brian Dable tailor the offense around him and make him better and more efficient than what we've seen from him before. So to answer your question, yeah, I think so. But not only because of Jones, but because of Dable and the fact that you do have some playmakers more than you had last year. Hardy Steve Pagrasa will continue the conversation next at 1-800-919-3776 on 98.7 ESPN.